All right, hey, what's up, guys? This is Bill Brower with FMBA Nation, and in this episode, I had the pleasure and the opportunity to speak with Dave Russell, who's the owner of Fire and Safety Services here in New Jersey, and we were talking about fire apparatus procurement and the supply chain management issues that departments around the state of New Jersey and around the country are facing today. It's very valuable knowledge and great information coming from Dave about the procurement process. I urge anyone that is looking to purchase new apparatus to listen to it and to gain some insight about those challenges that we're facing today with the given marketplace. As always, thank you for listening to FMBA Nation and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, hey, what's up, guys? This is Bill Brower, live from the ServPro Studios here in Walway, New Jersey. Uh, we are on the FMBA Nation podcast, and today we're actually being sponsored by uh, Fire and Safety. And I've got the owner of Fire Safety with me. We had a conversation back at convention. Uh, we had tried this before. Unfortunately, I had some technical difficulties, and uh, Dave Russell from Fire and Safety was there with me. We were talking about uh, fire apparatus procurement and that, that whole process and the, the challenges that we're facing today. Um, Dave, thank you again for coming in today to have the same conversation. Um, but but I think, you know, a lot has happened since then. So maybe our story is a little bit more up to date or updated in terms of the challenges we're facing. But thank you so much for coming in and, and, ha- and spending some time with me today to talk about this. And uh, we appreciate you supporting FMBA Nation and the FMBA. Well, definitely happy to be here. And uh, as you said, it's a lot's changed since September. Uh, you know, the market has changed a lot. We have a lot more different kind of issues. Some issues have gotten better as far as uh, supply chain. Other issues have cropped up, making things uh, more difficult. Uh, so glad to be here and, uh, and redo this. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's been a hot topic now for the past couple of years, right? Ever since COVID kind of happened and the, uh, this is kind of an aftermath of COVID, um, then the, the entire globe, you know, it's been a global issue in terms of supply chain management, um, everything from computer chips to, uh, your, your, you know, basic household products have been falling short in terms of the supply. Um, tell us how you guys are managing this from an apparatus procurement standpoint. How has the process changed? And if I were somebody in the department that is in charge of purchasing apparatus and or equipment, uh, how can I prepare myself? What should I be doing and or thinking in terms of my timeline? Well, quite frankly, right now, most manufacturers are anywhere between 24 to 36 months. Um, you have to be very careful and ask a lot of right questions when you are visiting with, uh, with vendors, what their timeline actually is, because some will tell you 24 months. But they don't tell you it's 24 months from when the prints are approved or when the manufacturing begins. You have to find out whether it's from time of PO, time of uh, contract signing, uh, time of uh, signing off on prints or time of manufacturing. Everybody has a different standard. Uh, most try and be upfront and honest and tell you it's from the time that we sign the PO. But it will really depend on you know how the proposal is written and what their manufacturers that they represent are doing. The whole supply chain issue, it's like an onion. Uh, you know, first off, it was because COVID, you know, everything was shut down, so no one had any supplies. You know, whatever we had in reserve, you know, was used up. The nation works on lean manufacturing, so it's just-in-time manufacturing. So 
after a couple months of not having any product being shipped in because everything was shut down, then you know they ran out of supplies. So things got back ordered. Uh, most of our industry was deemed uh, essential businesses, so we were able to keep ramped up, you know, high, you know, pretty quickly. But unfortunately, a lot of places they had to segregate their employees so they couldn't be as productive as they were because they needed to meet the six foot requirements and things like that. So production lines, you know, were working at half speed rather than full speed. Once things started opening up a little bit, you had shortages in, uh, you know, personnel. Uh, that was that became a big problem. Yeah. You looked at all the ships off the coast of California that were, you know, had goods on them, but they just didn't have the personnel in, right. in the LA ports to, to maneuver it or the truck drivers to get them across country. So it's a, an onion. Once you get through one layer, it's another layer, it's another issue. Uh, China had the zero you know, COVID policy, so their their factories were locked down for you know two, three years. And we're still seeing that trying to get certain motors uh, to run like Q2B sirens. There's their sole problem trying to get them because those factories are just starting to ramp up production. And then because of regulations, they have to, the, the product has to sit in quarantine mm-hmm. for a while before they can even get distributed throughout the country. So we are seeing some improvements in certain areas, but we are also definitely seeing some other things uh, that are pushing this. And now we're seeing a new EPA engine uh, for 2027 mm-hmm. uh, starting to rear its head. So we're, we're, we're trying to figure that stuff out now, too. Talk about that a little bit. What what are the new uh, regulations that are, are coming out and how do they affect uh, how these engines and trucks are being made? The fire service is governed by the same EPA standards that the overload truckers, the rotational trucks, anything that has diesel uh, you know, production has these requirements. They, they have to maintain and meet uh, emissions. Um, this goes back to 2004, I think was the first year of the EPA emissions on diesel, and they've been progressively getting harder and harder to, to meet. Um, what ultimately what is going to happen is in 2027, uh, we're going to have to start meeting with the California emission standards. The EPA has adopted those. Currently, over-the-road trucks have to meet those standards uh, by 2025 uh, in New Jersey. Um, throughout the nation, fire apparatus are exempt until 2027, mm-hmm. but we're starting to get the details from Cummins and other manufacturers, engine manufacturers, of what they're going to do. Cummins supplies probably 95% of the engines and fire trucks these days. Right. So they're actually told manufacturers recently that they're going to start introducing the 2027 version engines in 2026. So because of the lead times that we're seeing, we're already having to plan 2027 EPA engines in there. The problem is is no engine has been built yet. We won't see an engine for another year or so. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's a lot of guesstimating based on what Cummins is telling people. Um, as if we didn't need any more problems. <laughs> as if we didn't need any more problems. They are, they're uh, they're going to get rid of the L9. Uh, this has been in press releases. They're going to get rid of the L9 uh, and call it an X10. And it's going to be uh, like a hybrid. It's going to be able to be uh, low horsepower, low torque. And then we'll get into some of that higher horsepower, higher torque that the, the X12 has. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's going to be a tool that's going to be useful for everybody. 
but it's going to be added cost because of the regulations. So again, that's not a number we're 100 percent certain on. Yeah, you know, we do have a, a rough idea of what that's going to be, but it, to go from an L9 to an X10 is going to add a significant, a serious amount to the cost of the fire preparation that we're being told at this point in time. Yeah, and we've already seen due to inflation and the supply chain demands, um, you know, the prices of these apparatus have gone up significantly over the past three years or so. Correct. You know, I mean, I don't know in terms of what the percentage is in terms of an increase, but you probably know better than I, um, you know, but it's it's been pretty significant. I know in talking with our chief, we had, um, you know, looked at purchasing a new uh, squad, a new engine, a new ladder truck, and they were trying to price all that out and just the... Uh, the cost of it, it was just unbelievable compared to what we were paying a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. For most of the market, you've probably seen close to a 25% or a higher increase uh, since pre-COVID. Uh, it, the inflationary rate, because of the lead times, they're having to manufacture, they're having to guess what their expenses are going to be you know, for healthcare and you know raw materials and overhead expenses uh, for 2025, 2026 now. Mm-hmm. And they have no idea, so they're they're doing their best estimates. Plus, their vendors have been hitting them with uh, multiple price increases. I know Cummins has had several price increases over the course of the last couple couple years, mm-hmm. as well as anybody who has any kind of chips or wiring harnesses or things like that. Those are some of the areas where we've seen you know large price increases. So it's caused a real strain on the industry, and you know in turn we have to pass that down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, some manufacturers have had to go back to customers with trucks in order and say, you know, we need to, you know, we can't afford to build the truck for what we quoted it at because these were all unforeseen circumstances. But some manufacturers have been able to do better at absorbing that. But we have seen price increases. Uh, it's, I won't say they're not happening anymore, but they're leveling out mm-hmm. a little bit better. A little bit more predictable, so we're not seeing as big of a, a jolt every quarter as, as we were before. Yeah, so many different questions, uh, you know, coming to my mind as we're sitting here talking about this. One, I wonder what the impact of all the COVID uh, money has had on the sales and/or the supply uh, or the demand for vehicles, apparatus, things like that. I know uh, a lot of municipalities received um, certain funds from the federal government. I know they're earmarked specifically for certain things, PPE and the like, but when you're purchasing those items with that money, it now frees up other money within your budget to be able to go out and purchase apparatus, right? So do you think that some of that uh, has had an impact in terms of the demand for new apparatus? Uh, I wouldn't say that specifically has impacted the demand, but it has uh, given them funding sources that they otherwise wouldn't have because now they're realizing that a truck that they had planned to budget for in two years, they now have to buy now so they can get it when they needed it. Uh, so having these funds available has been able to prevent them from having to go to bond and increasing taxpayer you know, the property tax rate in their communities. It's freed up that end a little bit, but uh, it is still the same, what I call uh, fire truck inflation right now. It's uh, because of the lead times we're seeing Towns having in certain parts of the country, towns are buying fire trucks before firehouses are even built. 
mm-hmm. you know, because the lead time on a fire truck's longer than the lead time on building a firehouse. Sure. How does the used apparatus market affect this? I know, I know. For instance, our department. Um, I mean, we were we were on on our on our behinds when it comes to uh, the apparatus we have in service. Stuff breaking, trying to find parts. You can't find parts, or the lead time on parts is like the same amount of lead time as it takes to build a new rig. Um, and you just can't operate that way. I mean, A, it's a disservice to the community. It's a safety issue, right? Um, safety issue not only for the citizens of the community, but the, the firefighters that are on duty. Um, so I know in our department, we've gone out and sourced uh, apparatus that have been sold from other departments across the country. How does that play into this? You are seeing uh, a d- uh, increased demand in newer used apparatus, not so much the you know, 25, 30-year-old stuff that, you know, we used to see going through the market, but you are seeing. Uh... All right, let me ask you a question. Are you like me and need a cup of coffee in the morning to get your day off to a good start? How about an afternoon cup of bean at the station? We all know that shift work is brutal to our sleep cycles and that we could use a cup of joe to give us that push through the shift. That's where our friends from Fire Department Coffee come in. Whether you're a firefighter, an EMT, or dispatcher, do yourself a favor and try them out. We have a special offer for our listeners and supporters. Go to firedepartmentcoffee.com, that's F-I-R-E-D-E-P-T-C-O-F-F-E-E.com, and use promo code NJFMBA for 15% off your next purchase. In addition, for every purchase made, Fire Department Coffee will donate 15% of the sale to our Mark Virag Memorial Cancer Fund. These guys are great people and our career firefighters themselves just trying to make really good coffee to help us get through our next shift. So go buy some today, and don't forget to use promo code NJFMBA. Departments that turn in leases that are seven years old, those, those units are getting snapped up right away. Uh, you are seeing a lot of requests for holdover trucks. You know, we have a truck on order, but we can you, can you get us a... 10-year-old truck that we can nurse for, for two years until we get our new truck because our reserve, we, we can't use that anymore, or vice versa. We get asked a lot by some of our volunteering crew departments that if we have anything that's coming through that's not already you know bought by a broker, let them know. And if it's in good condition, we'll consider it. We, uh, we, we I, you know, I deal with uh, three or four different brokers, and they say that, you know, they they're getting calls through the roof every day looking for, for something in decent shape. And in terms of um, the, let's talk about real quick, the electric vehicle market, right? I mean, that's a, that's a hot topic, not only from a fire suppression standpoint, but uh, in terms of innovation and technology and the future of the fire service, um, how do you see that going? There's, there's a, a number of different articles I've read where uh, some of the bigger players are designing and or already have produced uh, electric fire uh, apparatus. What's your take on that? Where do you kind of see that going? Every many every major manufacturer has a version either that they're beta testing in the field or that they're producing and selling in the marketplace over the road market, where fleet large fleet organizations can handle that infrastructure cost, but the mom and pop. Uh, organizations, they're they're not going to be able to, to survive because they're not going to be able to afford to plug in a $150,000 charger to keep one or two trucks charged overnight. Uh, but we're going to see the same thing in the fire service, especially with our antiquated infrastructure in certain parts of the state. Uh, 
when we talk to the consultants that handle that aspect of the business, they tell us that you know, in most of the towns that they've looked at in New Jersey, it's five hundred to seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars minimum to upgrade the power coming into the firehouse so they can even put in the infrastructure uh, for the electric vehicles. I do see electric vehicles being the future, especially the way the EPA uh, uh, twenty thirty standards are uh, that it's it's going to be pushing more and more people to uh, non-combustion uh, engines, whether it's uh, CNG, hydrogen, or uh, electric vehicles. You're going to be seeing the requirements making the industry have to go to some other source other than uh, petroleum-based fuel. Yeah. You know, it, it, there's so many different pieces to this, to this uh, dynamic, right? I mean, you've got the supply chain issues, you've got different uh, budgetary, I don't want to say constraints, but uh, I feel like there's more money out there now for departments to be able to spend on this kind of stuff. Uh, you've got uh, old apparatus that's now, you know, uh, on its tail end going out. You've got used apparatus being bought, long lead times on new apparatus. In your opinion, how long do you think that this whole cycle kind of goes for right? I mean, at, at what point in time do you think that do we kind of turn the corner here and, and this is no longer an issue? If I knew that, I would not be sitting here. <laughs> I'd be on the lecture circuit making $50,000 a day doing speeches. Um, through our my involvement with FEMSA and our, our CIS organization, FEMA, the FEMA is the Fire Apparatus Manufacturers Association. FEMSA is the Fire and Emergency Manufacturers and Suppliers and Services Association. Um, we do a lot uh, trying to work with government and forecasters and things, trying to get a better understanding of where this is going. And I, based on what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing, unless there's a serious change in supply chain policy where the fire manufacturers get a priority uh, to kind of get parts in, we're seeing another 18 months to two years before we start seeing the supply chain issue change. Everything I read in the trade journals, both the over-the-road market and fire market, the big thing is labor. Um, a lot of people after COVID decided to retire uh, who were skilled laborers, welders, fabricators. And a lot of the secondary or you know third or fourth level suppliers to these manufacturers, whether it's uh, you know, a fire truck manufacturer or over the road truck manufacturer. These are mom and pop shops that have four or five employees. If two people retire, they can't they can't fulfill orders in a timely manner. Yeah. At least what the demand is right now. So until we start really getting welders and fabricators and assemblers into those fields, especially younger people that we're going to have a problem. And that's really something that the, in my opinion, the federal government really needs to step up to and put a campaign forward you know, to try and drive uh, talented people into those those industries because we're, we're working with you know, local 
Go Tech School is trying to find people for our shop, and yeah. we're having a hard time finding qualified people. That's you're talking about that onion earlier. You know, that's a whole another layer, a whole another discussion in terms of the workforce and where these younger generation of kids. And I know I say that I'm 40, so I'm still part of that younger generation and, and whatnot. But I don't feel it. Um, you know, it, it's 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 pretty interesting though to to look at that dynamic and to see how this industry is affected by that because. I mean, you got a million and a half YouTubers out there that are, you know, ages 20 to, to 25. And, uh, you know, you don't see the same kind of enrollment in the vocational schools. Um, the skill set that you're talking about is um, such a fine skill set to be really good at those skills to produce, you know, safety equipment that yeah. we're talking about. I mean, it's not like you just pull an average, you know, welder or an average fabricator off the street and say, I need you to build this truck or, or, or you know you don't want you don't want the guy that got the 70 on the test right. you want the guy that got the 95 to be making these things right so um it's an interesting dynamic in your opinion or if, if um if you had any advice that you wanted to give to somebody that is either currently in the position of procurement for their department or maybe they're uh you know coming up the ranks and, and they'll be in that position in the next couple of years what kind of advice would you give to them First off, uh, if you're looking to buy, don't wait. Uh, it's only going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, and getting better means that it's not going to be as outrageous jumps. I mean, we're still going to have the increases. Uh, we're in we're in a very unique time in the industry. I talked to a lot of uh, you know, old timers who you know, were my mentors when I first got into this business, and uh, they don't wish. You know, they they can't they can't imagine what i'm trying to do with on a daily basis but um i would say uh find a good partner uh find someone that you trust don't just necessarily buy uh, a product because you know they make you all the promises in the world they need to be able to back that up uh, make sure you have a good partner for your sales for your service because you want to make sure that if you do have an issue at two o'clock in the morning that they're going to stand by it and, and support you throughout and not just say, well, you know, you have to call so-and-so in the morning because they're closed today. So uh, I would say do, do the due diligence, uh, work with, uh, you know, good people and surround yourself with as much information as you can. And if you're, if you're with a good partner, you know, they'll tell you what they're good at and what they're not good at. And, you know, oftentimes I'm telling people, you know, if you're looking for that, we may not be the best vendor for you, but you know, you might want to talk to so-and-so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Listen, Dave, I, I really appreciate you coming in here uh, and give us some insight, uh, you know, to this whole, I don't want to call it an epidemic, right? It's, I mean, but it's a, it's a huge issue. Um, and, and so many different departments around the country are dealing with it. Um, you know, we feel it here locally and uh, you know, your insight and your knowledge uh, is very valuable. We appreciate your support of the FMBA, and uh, I appreciate you coming in here and giving us some of your time out of your day to uh, to talk about it. Um, if there's anyone that's listening to this that wants to reach out to you, get in touch with you, um, or get in touch with Fire and Safety Services, what's the best way for them to do so? Uh, they can reach out. Uh, our office number is 800-400-8017. Uh, if it's, uh, they want to talk to me, they can email sales at f-ss.com. Uh, that goes like three different people, but I'm one of them. So I'll always see it. Just make sure, just mention that it was based on the podcast. 
Uh, and I'll give out my cell phone, or you can put it in the, the notes. Yeah. I can give that to you later. Yeah, the show notes. Uh, so that they can call me and just, I may not answer if I don't recognize the number. Just right. leave a message and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Right. Don't be calling Dave at 3 a.m. for a ride home. No, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't do bail and I don't do rides. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Dave, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, thank you for coming in here and, and kind of rehashing what we uh, what we talked about back in September. But I, I really think that uh, some of the new information we're able to give out uh, is very valuable. And I'm glad we were able to capture that today. So I appreciate you coming in. Thank you. Glad to be here and glad to support the FNBA. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Take care. All right, everyone. Well, that wraps up another great episode from FMBA Nation. Thanks for listening to it. And if you don't already, make sure that you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can listen to this podcast on any of the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio. And if you have an Alexa-enabled device and enable the TuneIn skill, You can say, Alexa, play FMBA Nation podcast on TuneIn Radio. And if you're interested in being a sponsor of the podcast or would like to be featured on the FMBA Nation podcast where you can talk about your products and or services that you have to offer, be sure to email us at nation at njfmba.org. And until next time, be safe.